After a year of pandemic-related uncertainty, finance and HR leaders at medium-sized enterprises could be forgiven for being concerned about what the future might bring. So, is now the time for emerging organizations to invest in their technology and people, or should they be tightening the purse strings? I'm Bruno Navarro, and on today's Workday podcast, I'm joined by Tom Stewart, Chief Knowledge Officer of Achieve Next. We'll be discussing a new study that hones in on the sentiments of finance and HR leaders to learn how they're approaching the post-pandemic world. Tom, welcome. Great to have you on the show. Hey, Bruno. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, let's start by understanding the research and what you wanted to achieve from it. So every year for the last eight years, we have conducted at Achieve Next a sentiment study at the beginning of the year and a sentiment study in the middle of the year in which we've gone out and surveyed um, the CFOs and CHROs who are members of the two alliances of CFOs and CHROs that are part of Achieve Next. And this is the mid-year sentiment survey, following up on the one that we, we did in December of last year. This was taken in June of 2021. We connected with about 300 CFOs and CHROs across industries, um, all with mid-sized and emerging enterprises. Great. And so where are finance leaders looking for growth opportunities in the coming year? Now, the first thing is they're looking for growth. The really extraordinary thing is when we surveyed people at the beginning of this year, about 70% said that they expected to grow in 2021. Uh, they have That number has stayed the same. It's now 72% say they expect to close the books on a growing year. But the interesting sub-number on that is like 50% say that they expect double-digit growth. So that, that's the first thing, is that they really do expect to see growth. They also expect to see similar but not quite so fast growth in headcount. So they're going to be adding to the top line, they're going to be adding to the payroll, and you know there are some exceptions across this, but basically it's across industries, a little more oogly-boogly feeling in retail and, and hospitality as you would expect, but people are feeling really good. And they're also feeling a lot of confidence. Uh, not only do they see growth, but they have a tremendous shift in confidence. The beginning of 2021, I'm trying to remember this number, 60, about 60, 63% had a lack of confidence in the US economy. That is completely flipped. And the confidence in the global, in the US economy, 55% have high confidence and 50 and, and another 9%. So it's 64% have high or very high confidence in the US economy. And they're even more confident in their industry where that number is 75% for high or very high confidence and even more confident, 80% are confident of their own company's prospects. Wow, that's certainly uh, surprising to hear. So what internal roadblocks to growth are CFOs and CHROs seeing? Well, the, the, the biggest internal roadblock is talent. Something like 60% of the CFOs and CHROs, and, and both, both the CFOs and the CHROs, both the, both the nose counters and the bean counters, if you will, uh, said that acquisition of and retention of talent was a big source of economic concern. That's twice the number. Now, this was in June. This is before Delta really started accelerating. But twice as many people were concerned about acquiring and keeping talent as we're concerned about the continuing impact of COVID-19. That was still a high concern, but that was not as high a concern as that. Uh, so those, those are the, the two biggest sort of internal issues, I think, the impact of COVID on the business, on the workforce, 
and, and, and talent. What about uh, external factors? What are the challenges uh, and opportunities? Well, of course, COVID is both internal and external, of course, but uh, costs was costs was the number two issue overall in terms of concern, economic concern following talent. So it was talent at 57, 58% costs at uh, 46% said it was top concern and then and then COVID on down. So that was that was the number one. There's some concern about overall demand. We heard less concern uh, than we did a year ago about supply chain disruptions. Now we're seeing them. We're seeing them in steel. We've seen them in issues with costs. We've seen them in microchips and automobiles and so on and so forth. But in this survey, people you know, did not express as much concern about whether they could get the raw materials or get the distribution that they needed. Their biggest concerns were, were you know, talent and costs. So what do, what do the top financial challenges identified by respondents tell us about 2021? It's a really interesting question because um, you have this, you know, this strong optimism and strong confidence for double-digit growth. Of course, in many cases, that's double-digit growth from a bad year, right? So, so it's you know the, the year-to-year comparisons may look may look better uh, in that respect than in terms of percentages than in, than in terms of absolute numbers. To me, what they signal first of all, it's really nice to see that more people are talking about talent costs and sort of microeconomic, how do I run my business issues, then what in the world is happening outside that's going to crash down on my business? You know, their noses are more on the grindstone than they are looking at the horizon and thinking, oh my gosh, there are clouds, there are political uncertainty and, and so on and so forth. That's one thing is they're focusing on core business. Second thing, and you see this in other data that we've got is that the leaders in mid-sized companies told Achieve Next that they're pulling all the levers of growth with roughly equal force. So if you think about those levers as being um, innovation, new products, new markets, global you know, expansion from you know, Dayton to Denver or from Indianapolis to India, whatever that expansion is, opening, opening new markets, uh, inorganic growth through M&A, all the levers of, or selling more to existing companies, uh, or to existing customers. So a share of wallet, a share of market, or a new product or a new market strategy. If you ask them which of these is most important, they say yes. <laughs> they're, they're, hitting all, they're hitting all of them at once. And, and that tells me that they see a lot of opportunity, but it's also a little unclear exactly which one is the one. Now, of course, this is asking 300 people, so you're going to get a, a, a range of answers. But we didn't see a standout growth strategy. One thing that we do see is a little bit of holding back on, on capital expenditure and on new IT investments. Not cutting them, but in a sense, people would rather sell more out of their existing plant or offices rather than add new offices. We don't want to add the overhead. Uh, with IT, it's a little different. And we've seen this now for a year and a half. Uh, people are saying, I've got the technology I need. I'm just not using it well enough. So their technology investment and spend is not so much in going out and buying a whole bunch of new toys and tools 
as it is in maximizing the use of the stuff they've already got. You know, I've got a CRM system. I'm only using 10% of its capabilities. Rather than go buy more, I'm going to double. I'm going to get more out of what I've got. Right. Uh, so, what does the study say uh, in relation to finance and HR teams? Where are they going to focus their resources as the pandemic retreats? So, you know, assuming the pandemic retreats, right? Mm-hmm. L- let me sort of start with the talent piece of it. The top five human capital concern, management concerns are finding the talent we need, retaining the talent, motivating, engaging, and challenging employees, training and developing workforce skills, and building a leadership pipeline or leadership development. So you know, underneath that come things about measuring and improving productivity, um, managing healthcare and benefits costs, payroll expense, so on and so forth. But finding and retaining talent are, are, are the strongest ones, as I mentioned. And then motivation and engagement come after that, and then to learning and development priorities. So what you see in the talent space is people are saying, I need my people to grow. Um, I need my people to learn. I need my people to be engaged. The last year with people remote, estranged physically, if not psychologically, has been very difficult. The question of hybrid offices getting back to work, that, that comes underneath that. I think what people are saying is if we can get the engagement, learning, and motivation pieces right, uh, we can help solve some of these other issues about you know, workforce compliance and rules and flexibility and you know, where we're doing the work. The, this important thing is to get, people, get people's minds and hearts back as, as much as possible. And that that, of course, is also the best way you sell your company to prospective talent or keep the talent you need. So, so those are the things that seem to be top of mind. Um, if we asked about culture, the empowering and engaging employees at all levels was the number one culture issue that HR leaders were seeing, followed by communication and trust. So, and then, and then followed closely after that by aligning culture and strategy. So again, you see this sort of theme in the talent area of how do we get people's hearts and minds, uh, you know, on the job, around the company, back, you know, back in, insofar as they've been estranged or keep them in, in whatever this environment is, is, is going to be. The finance side of that, I think, is one of the things I mentioned, pulling all of the different growth levers and an interesting agenda item that we see on the finance side is that companies are saying 21% of CFOs say said that finding an acquisition target was one of their top priorities for the last six months of, of the year. So costs I mentioned as a key priority, productivity, and then managing growth. But then this, this inorganic thing sort of struck me as a... Uh, a bit of a surprise. We weren't necessarily, you know, some of these people are part of private equity portfolios, but but not all that many of them. But a whole lot of them are saying, let's look for M&A opportunities. Of course, M&A basically stopped last year. I mean, the first half of last year, you know, the M&A breaks were slammed down, picked up in the second half. But so there may be some water behind the dam in terms of inorganic growth. People are now seeing their cash registers full, 
bank loans available, private equity, other kinds of investment, there's capital around and they're saying, all right, now's the time to make those moves that we might've made last year, but want to make this year. That's great. Uh, One aspect that sounded really interesting is the hearts and minds uh, issue. How have HR challenges changed over time? Well, you know, to some extent, they're always the same, right? I mean, you know, that, that, I mean, the, the, the challenge is I, re- I remember when I was in my first year reporting for Fortune magazine 103 years ago, I was talking, I was up at Harvard Business School interviewing somebody and I was talking, I was looking at her bookshelf and talking to her and I realized that this is this extraordinary adventure of how do we get people together in groups and get them to do more than they would do otherwise, you know, that, that, that's the, that the art of management is how do we get this disparate group of people to do more stuff than they or we could imagine that they would do together. And, you know, that has not changed. Uh, a few things that have changed that are, that are really interesting, and particularly in the, in the middle market, some stuff that we did not see in mid-sized companies a couple of three years ago. First of all, is more focus on learning and development. Uh, and on succession planning. Um, before coming to Achieve Next, I was I worked at the National Center for the Middle Market. I ran I ran that at Ohio State, and one of the things that we saw was that middle market companies were really good at identifying their key players, their can't lose people, and really bad at succession planning. And they you know, and, and that that they were really good at you know on the job training, really good at giving people challenging jobs, but not really good at learning and development. So, so. What we're seeing is a little more emphasis on that, um, a lot more emphasis on building talent pools. And this is where the diversity, equity, and inclusion issue is, has emerged very strongly. Last year with um, uh, the Black Lives Matter and civic unrest, that brought that to the fore on the front page of the newspapers. But it's also been rising in importance with companies as they start thinking, there's a talent shortage out there, but look at my talent pool. It's all white. You know, what do I do to to get a more diverse talent pool? Or look at my customers. My customers are more diverse. My company looks less like them. And that, you know, in mid-sized companies, that's that's a somewhat new thought. About 30% of mid-sized companies are family businesses. They're close-knit and sort of expanding talent pools in order to get more diverse talent, but also more talent. Uh, is, a, is a relatively new thought and expanding learning and development because, you know, if you can't find them out there in the market because there's a labor shortage, you better grow your own. And so there's a little more focus on, um, on talent development than we've seen. Now, whether that's a structural change or something that's simply responding to the current talent shortage, Time will tell, but right now there's a lot of focus on building engagement, culture, learning, and talent pools internally. Great. Uh, so, where are finance and HR teams identifying their largest skills gaps? Um, I'm going to be able to give you more data on that in a few weeks because we're actually, you know, do, doing some of that, uh, trying to trying to get some specific stuff about whether the pain is highest at the senior management technical work, technical, highly skilled technical workers, middle management, um, skilled, uh, you, know, you know, experienced workers or new hires. Right now, I think we're seeing it across the board, but, but my sense from the data that we're seeing is it's in those areas of technical skills and experienced workers, let's call them truck drivers and engineers, that people are feeling the most intense 
pain right now. Right. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing that study. So how are CFOs and CHROs saying they expect their roles to change in the coming year? I think more strategic on both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, they, I think that we've heard a theme that, that my CEO, Nick Arako, talks about um, the CFO start the, the best CFO is starting to think of themselves as as chief performance officers, and also same with with CHROs. I mean, in the middle market, there's a, there's a, there's almost a maturity level. There is a in the lower middle market or smaller companies, the the CFO is 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 an accountant. He or she's a, you're moving from bookkeeping to master or of, of, of capital, right? Is, is managing the debits and credits to thinking about the resources of the company. And the same thing is true on the HR side. At the lower level, it's kind of transactional and it's pay, payroll, job descriptions, benefits, keeping us out of trouble. And at the higher level, it's our other form of capital. It's financial capital and human capital and managing human capital. The interesting thing that we're seeing is, you know, first of all, all of them aspire to those stewards of capital level. Uh, an interesting thing that we're seeing is they're seeing more conversation between CFOs and CHROs, more recognition that financial capital and human capital are inextricable. And the very best people in the CFO alliance and the CHRO alliance are talking across that divide. I mean, CFO and CHRO were kind of Mars and Venus, you know, and, and they were they were sort of you know, separate universes, and we're seeing more interaction between them uh, in in the most progressive and advanced of these mid-sized companies. Given that 30% of respondents said managing customer needs will be their top organizational challenge, how ready are they to manage and measure those efforts? Not as ready as they should be. Uh, One of the things we learned in this, we really saw in in the sentiment study in the beginning of the year, is a lot of people saying that customer experiences are is one of our chief priorities, but we have no way of measuring. We don't know what it is, and we don't know how to measure it. Uh, and and so we are seeing a a gap between um, recognizing the importance of customer experience and the importance of really understanding the value of customer relationships and the ability to to um, measure and and go deep on that. It may partly be that um, if you think about, you know, how you fill the the seats on the C-suite, the CMO is often the last one to come in. Uh, You start with sales and, you you know, and so on and so forth. But but, but really understanding this, this is an area where where there's a huge opportunity uh, for for companies to get more, more data and, and then more ability to act on the data that they have. That leads me to my next question uh, pretty seamlessly. What does the survey tell us about the priority CFOs and CHROs are placing on technology? Uh, yeah, I sort of mentioned this a little bit before. The number one priority is to get more out of what they've got. Uh, the, the, the issue here, and this does connect exactly to customer experience. The issue here is that we've got a lot of technical technology stacks that don't necessarily talk as well to each other as they did. Everybody knew this. The pandemic revealed it, um, you know, like like a like a Polaroid developing, because what you saw is that before people dispersed and started working remotely, you could you could bridge your technology stacks by 
John running over to Jane's office and saying, hey, Jane, look at this. And so there was a personal and sort of duct tape connection. You make people go dispersed and you think, why are why do we have to get our bills by check? People were sending people into the office to collect the checks so that they could deposit them, right? And, and similar things, bridging, uh, you know, uh, invoicing and shipping, and all kinds of other all kinds of technology stacks. All of these these gaps were revealed in the last year and a half, and so that's what people are doing. How do we how do we close these gaps? And partly it's still driven by how do we do this because we are continuing to manage a whole lot of things with people working from home, which also then, by the way, creates more cybersecurity exposure. So closing, you know, making the stacks talk to each other and then and then wrapping it all up uh, in secure duct tape so that it is so that it's not going to be as hacked. Um, those are the big technology priorities we see. Uh, so where do survey respondents say they would spend additional marketing technology and staffing dollars? Uh, well, there's lots of, there, there's lots of ways to do it. And I, let me sort of see what, see if I can actually pull up some, some of these exact numbers on this addressing talent issues, right? That's, that's their, that's, that's their number one thing, increasing efficiency, which by the way, also deals with talent issues. We saw just recently some stuff about how labor productivity is dramatically increased. So addressing the talent issues, increasing efficiencies, upgrading sales and marketing talent. And we've talked for years about a shortage of truck drivers. There's a shortage of salespeople out there too. And so increasing, upgrading sales and marketing talent is priority number three, improving data analytics. So this is, again, it's sort of a productivity thing. If I can get better analytics, I can target my salespeople. I can target my talent. I can target more efficiently and be more productive. Um, identifying inorganic growth opportunities. Uh, those are the top five, um, the, the M&A thing that I mentioned. And then expanding into new markets and upgrading digital comes, comes after that. But it's, you know, the engagement talent issues, efficiency, uh, sales and marketing talent, I would say that's probably sales talent, but then the analytics piece, which may be a, which may also be a marketing piece. Great. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great speaking with you and learning more about your research. That's all we have time for today. But if you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe at Spotify and SoundCloud and read more on the Workday blog. Thanks for listening and have a great workday.